0: A San Francisco Whole Foods store has closed after having been open for just one year. The store closed because of high crime and dangerous conditions for employees. Junkies are reportedly regularly loitering and shooting up around the store. It is not a pleasant shopping experience. So why are the bums and the criminals loitering around the store? Why is crime so high? It's because San Francisco's elected officials have stopped enforcing the law. Arrests have fallen dramatically in recent years. The mayor has called to defund the police. It's a cautionary tale, not just for major cities, but for every locale that liberalism has infected. It's an answer to the question that liberals always bring up when they run out of arguments. The question is how does it affect you? What do you mean people shouldn't be able to do drugs? How does it affect you? What do you mean? Men shouldn't strap on stilettos and saunter into the ladies' room. How does it affect you? It affects me and you and all of us because we live in society. And you can't live comfortably in a chaotic society. If you had the choice of being the poorest man in a prosperous society or the richest man in a collapsing society, you would choose the prosperous society every time no man is an island entire of itself. We are social beings. San Francisco is one of the richest places in America, but its wealthy residents can't have Whole Foods, can't have a supermarket. They can't walk down the street without fear of being murdered like the poor Cash App founder in San Francisco last week. How does social collapse affect us? It affects our whole way of life, What right do we have to impose a better way of life, our preferred way of life, on the druggies and the bums and the criminals? We have the right of self-government. And we'd better start reasserting that right before the whole country turns into one gigantic San Francisco. I'm Michael Knowles. It's The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. This episode is brought to you by one of my absolute favorite companies on earth, Good Ranchers. Free bacon, great meat, a secure price, and an extra 20 bucks off with my code Knowles. Head to GoodRanchers.com. Use my code Knowles for $20 off your order. We've got some real updates coming into the latest attacks on democracy, our sacred democracy, (laughs) here in my state of Tennessee. We the, the Tennessee Three, who led a riot at the Capitol. But this was a good riot. It's a it was a good riot at the Capitol in Tennessee. It was a bad riot in Washington D.C. We'll get into that. But there's there's some some new footage of one of these Tennessee Three that has appeared. That is, it makes you weep for our democracy. We'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit. First though, first though, speaking of violence, Karine Jean Pierre over at the White House, is pushing a new assault weapons ban. The libs are trying to take your AR-15s, one of the most popular guns in America. They're trying to take those guns and they are not merely fear-mongering over the guns. They are now outright lying about them.
1: We need Congress to act. And if you think about uh, assault uh, assault weapons ban, uh, we know when we saw, when the president was involved in 1994 to get that done, we saw we saw uh, gun violence go down. And when it sunset 10 years later, it went back up. So we know what could work, and that's why you continue to hear the president calling on uh, Congress to take action.
0: That just isn't true. <laughs> on this show, I, I always try to give the libs the benefit of the doubt. I try to see the point that maybe they're trying to make that's obscured by their ideology. I try to be as charitable in my view as I possibly can be. You know? But what she said just isn't true. There's there's no way <laughs> for me to complicate this or to find some nuance. She's just wrong. I have to give a hat to, to Dana Lash for finding that clip. And uh, she debunked it very, very well. A number of conservatives are doing that right now. It isn't true that the DOJ in July of 2004 observed that the assault weapons ban did not do that. The DOJ concluded that it could not credit the ban with any drop in gun violence. JAMA, this is the Journal of the American Medical Association, we've got an article here from 2017, observed that specific laws directed at firearm trafficking, improving child safety, or the banning of military-style assault weapons were not associated with changes in firearm homicide rates. I've got another paper here. This is from just January of this year from the RAND Corporation. concludes pretty much the very same thing. It's just not true. The White House is just lying. They have no arguments on their side, and so they're just going to double down on a lie. And it is the definition of madness to do the very same thing over and over again and expect different results. It's just its just not true. If they had good arguments, they would make them. They don't, so they lie to you. We should not give this any quarter, any Republican who votes for the so-called assault weapons ban is just a complete tool, a total squish. There's no reasoning with that kind of a Republican because there's no reason in this debate. Speaking of debates, I mentioned yesterday on the show, how excited I am at the prospect of this debate that I'm having at the University of Pittsburgh scheduled by the Intercollegiate Studies Institute with uh, Professor Donald McCloskey, who now goes by Deirdre. He identifies as transgender. He's a distinguished professor. Uh, We were to debate uh, transgenderism and womanhood and who decides on this. And this has been scheduled for a long time, all sorts of petitions and political calls to shut down the debate. The professor had previously said that he hates me. He specifically called me a fascist and all sorts of mean names, but said that we have to debate. You shouldn't run away from debates. He pulled out of the debate. He pulled out of the debate. It was obviously keeping him up at night. And when you want to sleep well at night, you got to check out Helix Sleep. Right now, go to helixsleep.com slash Knowles. After a long day's work, why are you sacrificing a good night's sleep with a terrible mattress? You got to check out Helix Mattress. Helix is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. The Helix lineup includes 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. I've had my Helix for almost three years now. I love it. I adore it. Are you nervous about buying a mattress online? Now you don't have to be. Helix has a sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you, because why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? Get out of my mattress. I'm a married man. Go to helixsleep.com noles Knowles. Take their two-minute sleep quiz and find the perfect mattress for your body and sleep type. It will come straight to your door for free. Helix has a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They will even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you're not going to have to worry about that, because you will love it. Their financing options and flexible payment plans make it so that a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go right now to HelixSleep.com/slash Knowles with Helix Better Sleep starts now. I was contacted by the media yesterday, shortly after my show, asking me for comment on Professor McCloskey's pulling out of this debate with me at the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, So then I looked at the articles to see what Professor McCloskey was saying here. And uh, according to this article from the City Paper, quote, since discovering Knowles to be utterly uninterested in finding the truth, and instead, quote, interested in stirring up hatred and violence toward people who do not fit his extremely conservative Catholic beliefs, she, meaning he, Donald McCloskey, has dropped out of the event. McCloskey says, He, quote, is very willing to debate on the issue, just not with Knowles. Then they say I made headlines for calling for the eradication of transgenderism, the whole ideology from public life at CPAC. So this is very curious that Professor McCloskey would drop out now. Because it is true, both Professor McCloskey and I were invited by ISI to debate before my CPAC speech and before the media lied about what I said and the White House lied about what I said. Uh, But then After the speech, Professor McCloskey reiterated his desire to debate the issue. And he called me all sorts of mean names. He called me a fascist. He called me an anti-Jesus Catholic. He identifies not just as a woman, but as Episcopalian. So I guess there was an an anti-Catholic dig. But he said, regardless, we need to debate these ideas, not not run away from them, not not, uh, hide them or suppress them. Okay. Then we had a pre-debate call. So this this is a call with the organizers and me and Professor McCloskey. And we discussed what we'd like to talk about during the debate. And he started off uh, quite rude and impolite on the call. But by the end, he had sort of warmed up a little bit. And uh, I I, I don't know. I I guess he just didn't know very much about me. And I think he expected me to be just some bomb-throwing, you know, uh, provocateur. And so when I said on the call that, no, my objection is just that I don't think that transgender people is a, is a real ontological category. I think there are people who are confused about their sex, but that's not a real distinct category of being. And when I said that uh, my issue here is uh, an epistemological disagreement and an anthropological disagreement, and here's why I think transgenderism is false, and furthermore, here's why I think that the state has a role in, in regulating the basic definitions of these things. Uh, P- Professor McCloskey seemed surprised by that. He uh, started out the phone call by insinuating that I'm poorly educated and don't have any idea what I'm talking about. But but by the end of the call, he, he didn't really have that posture anymore. And it, at one, f- one point, actually, when he was surprised that I said that I do support The state having a role in regulating these things. He said, "Oh, I I guess you're a consistent conservative, (laughs) you know. uh, If if I were not a if I were a libertarian or something like that, then he could have caught me in a bit of hypocrisy. But but no, I was just explaining my view. It's the basic conservative view. It's the basic view that everybody held on this issue until about eight years ago. It's the view that even liberal Democrats held until about eight years ago. It's based on an understanding of human nature that dates back at least twenty three hundred years, and." based on a, a traditional epistemology that served our civilization very, very well. And anyway, I, I, I don't mean any of that to uh, try to persuade Professor McCloskey to come into the debate. I just mention that to point out that his excuse as to why he's pulling out is not honest. Professor McCloskey knew my views on this subject. He's known them for well over a month at least. And then we even had a call about it a couple of weeks ago, after the call, he reiterated his desire to have the debate. Nothing has changed since then. And so I, I suspect all that's changed is he knows that he can't win the debate. <laughs> that's not a, not a knock on his intelligence. It's not a knock on his education. Uh, but he's, he's just wrong. He's, he's defending an indefensible position. And so I think he could have seemed to win the debate, If I were just a bomb thrower and I were just a provocateur and calling people all sorts of names the way that he was calling me names, maybe then he could have appeared like the adult in the room. But because that's not my style and because he, after that phone call, had had been a little bit more familiar with my style, I think he realized there was just no win for him. And so he contradicted his previous view that we have to debate these things in public, and we need to hash these things out in the free marketplace of ideas. And now he's just, he's just run away from the debate. I've got a speech today in East Tennessee State University over in Johnson City, and then I've got a speech tomorrow at the University of Wisconsin-Superior. So if you're around, head on over there. You can reserve tickets online. We'll, we'll see you out there. Uh, it's not that I have a lack of speaking opportunities over the next few weeks, But I was looking forward to to this debate and hashing out this issue that everybody seems so focused on. That's unfortunate because I know that some people in this audience had made plans to attend the debate. I I know that (laughs) there were obviously going to be a lot of protests and there are always hecklers and all sorts of miscreants. But it's not doesn't come from our side. It's not the conservatives who do that. It's always the people on. Professor McCloskey's side of the debate, who disrupt these events. So, we were prepared for that, and it's unfortunate. So, we're we're looking for a replacement. I intend to to do some kind of event at Pitt. Uh, We're working on seeing if anyone else will come in, but I think it's very telling. Uh, As as I've said from the beginning of this whole debate prospect, I've said if I'm going to have this debate, I want it to be with a really serious person. I want it to be with the person who can make the strongest argument for transgenderism that there is. I don't want some two-bit hustler from YouTube or something. I want a distinguished scholar. And uh, it's very telling that a distinguished professor with multiple degrees from Harvard, three of them, and half a dozen honorary doctorates, and two dozen academic publications, even he does not feel that he can debate the issue of transgenderism and, he, and he, he would rather concede the debate before it begins than lose in front of the C-SPAN cameras, because also C-SPAN was going to, to air this debate. So not surprising, and I'm happy to take a win by default, happy to take this technical victory, but it's too bad that we couldn't have the debate in public. It's too bad that he, he did not have the courage of his convictions, convictions both about transgenderism and about the role of debate in society. It proves an old adage, which is that you can always tell a Harvard man, but you can't tell him much. Speaking of gender, sometimes you will hear the libs say that they are not, in fact, transing the kids. Out of one side of the mouth, they say, it's very important that we trans the kids. This is gender-affirming health care. We have to give it to everybody. Even the White House says this. But then out of the other side of your mouth, when, when when a conservative criticizes this idea they'll say no we're not doing that this is a right-wing conspiracy theory we're not we're not transing the kids and you say well you're putting them in gender affirming therapy well yes that's true and you're putting them on puberty blockers see yes that's true you're putting them on cross sex hormones sometimes yes that's true so how are you not transing the kids and what they will say is well we're not performing the surgeries on them we are not chopping off their body parts. We wait until 18 to do that, but that's not true. North Carolina Surgery Clinic has just been caught performing the gender surgery on young girls as young as 14. The Cosmetic Concierge, which is a plastic surgery clinic in Charlotte, performed elective double mastectomies on these young teenage girls, including at the very least one 14-year-old. This according to reports from Redux, they've got images of this. It's not even just records. They've got images showing the results of top surgery procedures, which is where these quacks chop off the breasts, healthy breasts of young girls who are having a little bit of body discomfort as they go through puberty, You know, like every single teenage girl ever in human history. Well, what they decide to do is chop off their healthy body parts. The photos include lots of other girls too, though, 16-year-olds, 16, 16 15-year-olds, and 14-year-olds. And this is happening. Don't let them tell you that this isn't happening. It is. Don't let them tell you that they're not defunding the police. They are. Don't let them tell you that they're not putting porn in schools, elementary schools. They are. We've got the pictures. We've got the receipts. It is happening. And their only argument against it now is just to lie. They're, they're, they're just lying. There's no engaging in a good faith dialogue and finding the nuance here. They're just... They're doing very bad things, and they're trying to cover it up. And the only way to deal with that is to outlaw it and then bring down the weight of government and the force and the state and the justice system to punish the people who do these kinds of evil, evil acts. Speaking of medical malpractice and our judicial system, huge win from the courts, major, major win for pro-life. This is the biggest win for pro-life since the overruling of Roe v. Wade in the Dobbs decision, U.S. District Judge Matthew Cashmarick, Merrick, I'm almost certainly mispronouncing that name, suspended the FDA's longtime approval of the abortion drug mifepristone. The government has one week to appeal this decision, but the federal judge has, has suspended the FDA approval of mifepristone, which was granted more than 20 years ago. And this drug is used in tandem with another drug, misoprostol, to kill babies up until about 10 weeks old. Why does this matter? Well, we think about abortion as the woman goes into the abortion mill and the quacks and the witches and the satanic doctors go in and kill the babies. That's what we picture. But more than half of US abortions are not surgical. They're medical. They're, they're, they're done by taking pills. And what this judge has done is to suspend the approval of that pill. Why is he doing it? It says, quote, the government did not adequately assess the drug's safety and should not have made it accessible via telehealth during the pandemic. Obviously true. And what it means is if this stay on the drug goes into effect, the drug would no longer be available anywhere in the U.S., there are, there are going to be squish Republicans who say, Oh, don't do this. Oh, don't abortion. It's not a good issue for us. It's a losing issue. Mm. Can't we just let's just not talk about it, please? These are the same people who've been saying the same thing for decades and decades. The only two issues on which conservatives have won over the last 50 years have been guns and pro life. That's it. We've lost everything else. Sometimes we cut taxes a little bit and the taxes go back up, but we've lost on everything. Why? Because those are the only issues where we speak in clear moral terms. The left always speaks in clear immoral terms. And on guns, on the right to protect yourself, and on pro-life, conservatives speak in clear moral terms, terms. And that persuades people. And that is where we win. Don't go squishy now. We're talking about more than half the abortions in the United States are performed using drugs like this. Save half those babies. Let's go. This is great push forward on this. It will go up to the Supreme Court. I want to hear every conservative in the country embracing this, endorsing this, persuading their fellow citizens that this is a good thing. This is the right thing to do. The judge has done his part. Let's go. All the conservative electeds, all the media heads, all all these people. I want to hear it. There has been, according to the liberal media, a muted response from Republicans who don't want this to swing back on them. I don't want a muted response. I don't want squishes. I don't want cowards. Speak up for life. If you're not going to defend life, you're not going to defend anything at all. Now, one way that I feel very vital, get my blood pumping, you know how I do it? With delicious Good Ranchers. Right now, go to GoodRanchers.com, use promo code Knowles. I love Good Ranchers. It is the greatest meat ever. It is so much higher quality than other stuff you might get, similar kind of companies. It is delivered whenever you want. They lock in your price So inflation proves it in this crazy economic time right now. It's just absolutely magnificent. The product is unlike any other. Right now, they're giving you a free bacon for a year, a $240 value giveaway. That's a pound and a half of bacon in every single box. It's just amazing. And then you use my promo code Knolls, you get an extra $20 off your order. Do it. Subscribe right now. You can buy the meat just on its own, and it's superb meat but totally sweet little Lisa approved. But you should subscribe because you'll save even more money. Goodranchers.com. Use my code Knowles for 20 bucks off your box. Free bacon, great meat, a secure price, and a bonus 20 bucks. That is promo code Knowles. Goodranchers.com. Goodranchers.com. American meat delivered. When was the last time you prayed? Maybe a better question to ask is when was the last time you thought about the meaning of prayer? Many people see prayer as a way of petitioning God for something, but as with all things concerning God, there is more to it than that. That's the way Ben Shapiro describes it in the latest episode of Exodus, a marvelous new series from Jordan Peterson.
1: The idea of, of prayer that, that you're talking about is obviously a lot more meaningful because it's really not about changing God's mind. It's about changing who you are, right. and thus God naturally responds to you differently because you're not the person that you were before you prayed. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the, the verb to, to pray in Hebrew is actually in the reflexive tense, right? Lahit palel, right? Which is supposed to—the idea is that it's supposed to be something that acts on you. The prayer is supposed right, to act right. on you. It's not supposed to be something where you're attempting to pry an answer out of God.
0: Ben and Jordan are joined by a group of esteemed scholars, theologians, and artists for an in-depth discussion on a very, very important book of the Bible. It is every bit as illuminating as you would hope. New episodes are coming online every week exclusively for Daily Wire Plus members. Join now at dailywire.com slash subscribe to watch Exodus. Also, this past weekend, yes or no, the greatest game on the internet. Came back with a new episode. I sat down with my dear friend, Brett Cooper. And we bridge that generational divide on yes or no. You can have the game yourself. Right now, go to dailywire.com shop. We've shipped out thousands of these. It is going to sell out again, but they are shipping. Don't wait. Dailywire.com shop. Now, speaking of things going on in Tennessee right now, you know about the, uh, the, the riot, I'm sorry. The, the peaceful, wonderful protest. That's that's what it's. It's a peaceful, wonderful protest when it's the Democrats uh, leading people in to interrupt legislative procedures, and it's a terrible insurrection, the worst thing ever. When conservative grannies go and take pictures in the Capitol rotunda, that's what happens. So now we we've, we're trying to figure out who these people are. There were three reps who pushed this nonsense. One of whom is a woman by the name of Gloria Johnson. Gloria Johnson is one of the three. She's the only one who managed to survive the expulsion vote. She survived it by one vote. The other two got booted out of the state house, but she survived it by one vote because she was slightly less egregious in her behavior on that day. So these are the kind of people who are running the show in New York. Uh, Gloria Johnson uh, just recently made the claim that the conservatives in Tennessee are trying to bring back lynching. It was just a few weeks ago that one of my colleagues in our criminal justice committee, um, we, were, we had a bill, they have a bill to bring back the firing squad and the electric chair. And one of my colleagues said, I think we should bring back hanging by a tree. Um, he literally suggested lynching. It's happening in Tennessee, by the way. I said it was New York because of this woman's crazy ideas. But no, that's what a Tennessee lawmaker is saying. That's not what lynching is. (laughs) Lynching is extrajudicial killing by a group of people. Lynching does not always involve hanging. Lynch mobs can lynch people all sorts of different ways. And hanging... Does not always mean lynching. In fact, most of the time hanging has not meant lynching. But most of the time, hanging has just been the punishment for a crime meted out by the courts. If a criminal is tried and convicted and then hanged, you wouldn't call that a lynching. That is just the ordinary administration of justice. This woman doesn't know a basic fact about the justice system. And it makes me wonder how long can we govern ourselves with ignorance this pervasive? How long can we continue this republic of ours when people, and especially our leaders, don't know a thing about anything? They don't know. I'm not saying that they have kind of eccentric ideas or we would disagree on this. I mean, they just don't know basic facts about anything. They don't know what a man is. They don't know what a woman is. How long can we endure Our constitution is great. It's a really nice piece of paper with really nice fancy handwriting on it. But it doesn't mean anything if there are not people to run the government properly. And we have such blithe ignorance in this country, especially among the leadership class. I don't know how much longer we can go on like this. Now, the other person who helped lead the Tennessee riot, a guy named Justin Pearson. Justin Pearson is a preacher, I guess, in addition to being a former politician, a guy who used to have a seat in the state house, but now got booted out. Here is the way that Pearson preaches.
1: Would you mind going ahead and praying with me now, Mother God, Creator God, loving God, Holy God? Take this, your servant made from dust, and connected with the raw materials of stardust to speak in this moment, to say something that brings forward the word you've placed into my heart. I accept my unworthiness for such a task as bold as this, and I seek your guidance as you use me and speak through me. To the ancestor preachers who made sermons from hymns, moans, and groans, and spirituals from the bondage of slaves, Slavery, speak now through this your descendant. To the black women locked out, being abused, tormented, raped, eradicated, and yet born a new and distant future in this country, and to a young colored boy named me. I name you now my great grandmother Anna Ruth, my great grandmother Flossie, my great grandmother Evelyn, my great grandmother Lavinia.
0: He goes on and on and on. Slam poetry is the death of art. It would seem to be the death of religious worship, and it's now also the death of politics. He opens up. He says, Mother God, these people who insist that we honor their pronouns, their preferred pronouns, they won't honor God's preferred pronouns. They never seem to do that. Why does it matter? Why does it matter what this guy's religious views are? Or irreligious views, I guess, in this case. Because, as John Adams told us, the Constitution is built for a moral and religious people. And when he's talking about religion, he's talking about Christianity. Not mother god ancestor worship or whatever this guy's talking about, but actual Christianity. Not the, uh, what what is this place called? The Memphis Unitarian Universalist meeting house, but Christianity. John Adams spelled that out. He said the, the beliefs that animate America are Christian beliefs. The morality that animates America, it's Christian morality. John Jay said this. The founding fathers said this resoundingly. Why is a politician a preacher? I'm I'm not on him because he's a preacher. Of course, government is in the religion business. How and who and what we worship more than anything else forms who we are. If we worship God, we're going to have a godlier, goodlier, better society. If we worship money, we're going to have a materialistic society. If we worship weird sex stuff, we're going to have a lust-convulsed society. If we we worship ourselves, we're going to have a very selfish society. In that sermon, he goes on, he talks about how important it is to trans everybody.
1: They won't have to worry about folks talking about advocating for people to get access to healthcare who are transgender children. Won't have to worry about the need to end lynching as capital punishment.
0: Oh, and there it is too. Oh man. I, the first time all I caught was the, the need to trans people. And by the way, children, he says. We listen, we need to. I'm praying to the mother goddess of the spirit of my ancestors. And that is why we need to chop off the healthy genitals of the little children. And that is why we need to pump them full of cross-sex hormones and sterilize the children because of my religious views. And that is why we need to stop Lynching is capital punishment. Lynching cannot be capital punishment by definition. Capital punishment is a part of the judicial system. If a person has a fair trial, a real trial, and is convicted by the civil authority, by the judicial system, and is then killed, that cannot be lynching. By... Definition. These are the people who are running our states. And this is going to be increasingly the case. This is a young man. He's in his mid to late 20s. This is, it's not his fault that he was poorly educated. It's not his fault that he was raised in some bizarro pseudo-religious upbringing. It's not, it's not his fault that this was how he was formed. It's not his fault, but it is our problem. Our leaders are just so profoundly ignorant. They have no idea. And when all of our leaders have no idea, our country cannot fly. The Constitution was built for a moral and religious people. I'll add one little extra to that. It was built for people who knew the most basic facts of reality. (laughs) When you want to see what's going on in reality, sometimes we engage with fiction. One great new work you ought to check out, Nefarious. Listen, you know I'm a tough critic. Pretty clear when I don't like something. I don't don't keep my views usually to myself. There's a new movie opening on April 14th called Nefarious that looks and sounds like another completely forgettable horror film. But here's why it's different. It's not a horror film. It's a realistic psychological thriller that becomes a supernatural thriller. It's about a serial killer about to be executed who claims he's a demon. A psychiatrist is called in to see if the man's going crazy or is faking insanity to get off the hook. The psychiatrist is your standard Ivy League guy, doesn't believe in demons and God, anything like that. But he doesn't quite realize what he's up against. This film is surprising and thought-provoking, something you definitely need to see. Nefarious opens nationwide starting April 14th. Go to whoisnefarious.com. Buy your tickets today. That is who is... Nefarious.com for tickets. Head on over there right now. You will enjoy it, especially there's basically nothing good coming out of Hollywood. So head on over to whoisnefarious.com. My favorite comment yesterday is from Scoot. Scoot, who says, I can't wait for this debate. It's going to be a classic. Thanks, Knowles. Uh, bad news for you, Scoot. <laughs> Sorry, man. I don't. I was looking forward to it too. I thought it would have been an interesting debate, but... I, all I can do is accept a debate invitation, but if my debate opponent gets cold feet at the very end, what can I do? Debate's over before it began. I guess I won, I, I, but I still wish we could have had the debate. Say, la vie. C'est la vie. Now, speaking of our rulers, 2024 is around the corner. And there's a really interesting poll that just came out of Florida. Ron DeSantis has just edged out Donald Trump in Florida. Now, this might be expected because Ron DeSantis is the governor of Florida, so he's active right now, especially in that state. People are very aware of him there. Okay. The reason this matters is because Florida is the one state where you could say that Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump Have pretty much the same degree of name recognition. People whose nose is in politics all the time frequently forget that a lot of people don't pay attention to this stuff so frequently. And so Ron DeSantis doesn't have anywhere near the name recognition that Donald Trump has nationwide, but in Florida they do. And head to head in Florida, DeSantis, at least according to this poll from Mason Dixon Polling, is slightly edging out Trump in Florida. Great news for DeSantis. However, I still think Trump has the advantage here. I still think this is Trump's race to lose. Ron DeSantis has done a great job building up his support among Floridians. It's taken him a while to do that, and he's got really tangible results for Florida residents to point to. Is he going to be able to do that nationwide? It's hard to see how Trump has had such a head start. Trump is going to get so much free publicity from the media, and the fact that the libs hate Trump more than they hate DeSantis is going to help Trump in the primary, unless they throw this guy in prison and prevent him from campaigning. It's hard to see how DeSantis ultimately pulls it off. But this is good news for him. This is a good start to his campaign. It it shows that he's at least got a shot to do it. The the best argument against Trump in 2024 is that the powers that be are just not going to let him win again. And that's not a fair knock on his campaign, and it's not right, and it's not just, but especially if you think that there were shenanigans in the 2020 election, what's to say there's not going to be shenanigans this time? How are you going to prevent that? If you think that there are interests that can strongly influence a campaign and an election, how's Trump going to prevent that this time? Speaking of the deep state, the FBI, cultivated sources in Catholic parishes. The FBI was spying on Catholics simply for going to mass as part of a counterterrorism campaign. We know this now because of the man, Jim Jordan, who as the head of the Judiciary Committee of the House, just wrote to the director of the FBI, Christopher Wray, and observes that based on the limited information produced by the FBI to the committee, we now know that the FBI relied on at least one undercover agent to produce its analysis and that the FBI proposed that its agents engage in outreach to Catholic parishes to develop sources among the clergy and church leadership to inform on Americans practicing their faith. So they're trying to go and and flip the priests on the parishioners. Do you realize how messed up this is? Especially considering that. Christianity is an incarnational faith. Catholicism, in particular, takes that sacramental incarnational aspect very, very seriously. Catholics engage in sacramental confession. We go into the confessional, we confess our sins to a priest. We tell the priest all the worst stuff that we've done, and we, we try to do it regularly, ideally once a week. And the seal of that confessional is inviolable. And then the FBI goes in there and tries to get the clergy to rat on the parishioners. Can you imagine how perverse that is, how corrupt that is? Jordan goes on. He says, we've repeatedly sought information from the FBI relating to this document that came out at the end of January entitled, Interest of Racially or Ethnically Motivated Violent Extremists in Radical Traditionalist Catholic Ideology Almost Certainly Presents New Mitigation Opportunities, a classic gobbledygook from from the government. But it's saying that the, the Catholics are radicals. Especially the conservative Catholics—they're radicals—and the feds are going to go in and spy on them. Which proves that memo that came out—that wasn't just a one-off memo. Oopsie daisy. That's how the FBI tried to play it off. They said, "Oh, whoopsies! That oh, that memo—that doesn't meet our standards. Oops! Don't know how that got in there. Yeah, okay, it's gone. Yeah, it's gone. Nothing to see here. No, we didn't mean that. Hey, what, is that a butterfly? Hey, come on, stop looking here. But no, this was a program. This was a program carried out by the FBI." with agents on the case, spying on Catholics. That is scary because it raises all sorts of questions about how our democracy really operates. It raises all sorts of questions about the power of the deep state. And it especially shows you just what utter garbage it is when you hear the libs whining and crying, clutching their pearls over the threats The threats to our sacred democracy posed by the horn hat man taking a selfie in the Capitol. What about the threats to our sacred democracy from the FBI spying on Christians? Going in and and trying to flip priests on their parishioners. What about that? That seems like a bigger threat to our sacred democracy than some Midwestern grannies taking pictures in the Capitol. and, And you know, do you know that the conservatives... Are not even defending our sacred democracy. According to, it's according to MSNBC's Nicole Wallace. Nicole Wallace says, not a single Republican is doing anything to protect democracy.
1: The Republican the corruption of the party that you and I were a part of is, is also a story that gets short-shrifted. We sanitize that too. It's corrupt from
0: the top to the bottom, from east to west. Not one Republican condemned the Tennessee Republican majority for what they did. Not one Republican who thought that bringing democracy to Iraq or Afghanistan would make our country safer, which was, I know it's unpopular pipe than that, but that was the position of Mitch McConnell and every elected Republican. Not one of them is interested in doing a single damn thing
1: to protect democracy here in America, here in Tennessee. Not one of them.
0: The Republicans who voted to expel the Democrat lawmakers who led... What, and, and a protest that, the sort of protest that the Democrats themselves have called an insurrection and a coup d'etat, and these Democrat lawmakers in Tennessee led it. The thing, the thing that the Democrats say posed the greatest threat to democracy and almost overthrew our whole constitutional order. These Democrat lawmakers led one of those, a much more serious version of those in the Tennessee state house. And then when they were expelled. Those same liberals come in and they say, this is a threat to democracy. It's always a threat. When you don't give the liberals what they want, that's always going to be the threat to democracy, even when it is an expression of democracy. When the Republicans in the state house, who are duly elected by their constituents, when they exercise their right to expel members for certain extraordinary misbehavior that the members have engaged in, that is not the undermining of democracy. It can't be by definition. That is by definition an expression of democracy. But what the liberals mean by democracy is liberalism. So if the people go in and they elect a Trump or they elect an Orban or they elect a Georgia Maloney or they elect any conservative ever, that is always a threat to democracy, according to the liberals. Because they don't like democracy. They only like liberalism. Now, what are we going to do about it? I love that those Republicans expelled those miscreants. What are we going to do about it? Well, we've got an answer. The state Freedom Caucus Network. My colleague Luke Rosiak here just reported on this at Daily Wire. The State Freedom Caucus Network is just what it sounds like. It's the Freedom Caucus that you see in the House of Representatives, but at the state level. It has taken root in 11 states, and the mission of the State Freedom Caucus Network is to make sure that Republicans, when they have political power, use that political power in the states. We have a lot of political power at the state level, and we don't really use it all that well. And you, you see what happens. When a, when a Republican governor and a Republican legislature wield political power in the states, big change can happen, like we've seen in Florida under Ron DeSantis. It's the reason that Ron DeSantis is being talked about as the number two presidential candidate right now on the right. But what about the other states? States such as Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, Idaho, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Utah. They've got way more Republican control than Florida does. 90% of seats in Wyoming are held by Republicans. Ohio has more Republican control than Florida does. So why aren't they leading? Why are we all looking to Florida? We should be looking to Florida on one issue, and then Wyoming one-ups them on another issue, and then Ohio one-ups Wyoming on another issue. Well, that's what the State Freedom Caucus Network is setting out to do. Led by Andrew Roth, who is a former executive at the Club for Growth, Alongside Justin We Met, I'm probably mispronouncing that, which is the House Freedom Caucus's former executive director. Great news! Let's do it, baby. This is something I've been calling for for a very long time. Wield that political power, not just at the national glitzy issues, but down at the state level too, down at the local level too. Got to wield it. You got to use it or lose it. Speaking of, speaking of political power being wielded and all these sorts of political fights. Alvin Bragg, who is the Manhattan District Attorney who is trying to imprison Donald Trump, he is now suing Jim Jordan, the head of the House Judiciary Committee, because Jim Jordan is going to subpoena a prosecutor who formerly worked for Bragg because Jim Jordan thinks that the prosecution by Bragg of Donald Trump is a violation of our constitutional norms and something within the purview of the House Judiciary Committee because the the House Judiciary Committee though focused on the federal level, obviously has an interest in what happens to presidents and former presidents. Are you confused by that? Yeah, I'm a little bit confused too. But what it basically boils down to is that you've got a fight between the federal government and the the local government. And what's weird about this fight is that the federal government is actually being represented by the conservatives and the local government in New York is being represented by the liberals. And in this case, Jim Jordan is in the right. We're in uncharted territory. So you're going to hear people making all sorts of legal arguments. All of those arguments are going to be novel legal arguments because we've never been in a position before where a former president and current leader of the opposition is being arrested by the ruling party because we've degraded our country and now we're living in something closer to a banana republic. And it's going to be the Republicans on the side of the feds here, on the side of federal power, because the guy that they've gone after is a former president. But Jordan is right here. This is a huge overreach by the liberals and by New York. And I hope, I, I am so glad that we've got Jim Jordan in the fight. He is the man for the hour. Keep it up, guys. Okay, the rest of the show continues now. We've got a really important video for Woke Wednesday. This is the Love Don't Judge, the latest Love Don't Judge video in which my producer Ben Davies wants to see how long I cannot judge. cannot and how long you cannot judge whatever is in this video, become a member. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.